And the scripture from Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, though some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, you heard the words I spoke over those beautiful babies. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We sing of this triune God each and every Sunday as we join our voices in the joyful noise of the doxology. Of course, our favorite version has us sing praises to the Holy Ghost, that quirky throwback to the King James translation of the Bible. When I was a kid, I always thought of Casper, the friendly ghost, at that moment in the service. On this Trinity Sunday, it is fair to acknowledge that not all Christians believe in a Trinitarian God. Neither of the founders of the tradition I was ordained in, the Disciples of Christ, believed in the Trinity. One called it the beginning of his sorrows, something that he tried and failed to believe in. The other wrote that he objected to it not because it is contrary to reason or revelation, but because of the metaphysical technicalities, the unintelligible jargon, the unmeaning language of the orthodox creeds of this subject, and the interminable war of words without ideas to which this word trinity has given birth. Meanwhile, there are enough faithful congregationists who question the concept of the Trinity that you've probably heard the old joke that UCC actually stands for Unitarians Considering Christ. And yet, despite all the jargon and the unmeaning language, the war of words and the intellectual appeal of Unitarian theology, my own confession of faith remains Trinitarian. I believe in the triune God whose name is invoked at the baptismal font, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I've said before, I don't think that this is the only true understanding of God, but it is one that offers, to me at least, a blessed glimpse of the beauty and mystery of God. If you're a little rusty on your catechism, I'll try to refresh you on the basics of the doctrine without diving too deeply into metaphysical technicalities or putting you to sleep on a perfectly nice Memorial Day weekend. I did, after all, note that I was just kidding 
that my sermon title was Unintelligible Jargon. The doctrine of the Trinity claims that God is one and three. In the persons of the Trinity, we receive a shorthand lesson in the central works of God. The Father creates, the Son redeems, the Holy Spirit sanctifies. Yet the three cannot be separated. They are not three different gods or one God taking on different modes depending on the circumstances. The three are one, equal, eternal, indivisible, made of the same divine substance. Now sometimes preachers like to talk about the Trinity in water, the river, the fog, the ice. It kind of works, but it doesn't. Because a single molecule of water cannot be river, fog, and ice at the same time. That, my friends, is modalism. And modalism is heretical enough to make the early church fathers clutch their pearls in horror. Indeed, there are so many wrong turns you can take when attempting to explain the Trinity. One of my friends quipped this week that we were all preparing for not Trinity Sunday, but let's see how many heresies we can commit by lunch Sunday. So you may well be thinking, so what? Isn't this a lot of pointless rigmarole? a classic example of theologians contemplating how many angels dance on the head of a pin. For me, the beauty of Trinitarian braid is that it expresses that God is, at God's very core, a God of relationship. One of my favorite theologians puts it this way, Relationship is the very principle of God's being. At the very heart of holy mystery is not monarchy, but community. She continues that the very essence of God is to be in relationship. So relationship, rather than a solitary, isolated ego, is the heart of all reality. One of my other favorite preachers puts it another way. He titled his Trinity Sunday sermon, Blah, 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 Love. The persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are one, and they are one in love. Their relationship with one another is that of pure love. This is the luminous truth about God that all the jargon is trying and often failing to articulate. God is love. The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, the Holy Spirit loves the Father, and so on and so forth. It might seem like an affront to good old-fashioned monotheism, to say that the heart of God is community. But how could a God of love not 
be a God of relationship. The preacher who preached that blah, 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 love sermon proclaims that the Trinity is the belief and the experience that God loves us enough to be the creator who made the whole universe and every creature who lives in it. The God who has created you and me and given us the very breath of life. It is the belief and the experience that God loves us enough to be the Redeemer who saves and redeems the world from sin, sorrow, and separation so that we might be joined to that love forever. And it is the belief and experience that God loves us enough to be the Spirit who is at work in us even now, inspiring, strengthening, guiding, advocating, and illuminating us in our living. We are welcomed to that divine table, drawn into that holy embrace, baptized into that unconditional love. And we are commissioned by Christ to go forth and share that good news of this community of Father and Son and Holy Spirit. We are to share the good news of God's love with a world that is impoverished, impoverished by fear and violence and hatred and grief. The good Bishop Curry reminded us in his epic royal sermon last week, and come to think of it, I suspect some people might believe that his sermon title could have also been blah, 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 love, but he said, there's power in love. There's power in love to help and heal when nothing else can. There's power in love to lift up and liberate when nothing else will. There's power in love to show us the way to live. And this is where the dusty jargon falls away, and even those 600 royal British and their friends actually had to crack uh, a smile because the power of love blows us away. The power of the triune God resounds. Our world is desperate to be recreated, to be saved, to be filled and guided by a most holy spirit. And our faith gives us the language to proclaim the good news that God is doing just this, and a way to live into this good news in our ordinary lives. Friends, God the Father knew us before we were knit together in our mother's womb. God the Son suffers with us even in the fearsome abyss of devastation we witness in the newspapers day after day. And God the Spirit guides us away from fear and isolation into community and wholeness. The Trinity is not some irrelevant bit of dogma. 
It is a way of expressing our deepest conviction that God is intimately involved in the land of the living. We are created, we are redeemed, and we are sustained. And in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we are loved. Amen.